For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That is the voice of Candace Buckner of the Washington Post, my incredible guest this week. And this, of course, is More Than a White Man's Game, a baseball podcast on the House of L Network. Thank you all for tuning in. And before we get to my interview with Candace, which is fantastic, she's so awesome. I'm so happy to have her on this week. But before we get to that, I do have to apologize to you all for getting us off of our regular schedule. We had such a good thing going with every other week. And to be honest, the last couple of weeks, I've just been swamped. For those of you who don't know, I've been covering the Cubs for NBC Sports Chicago for the past couple seasons. And... A few weeks ago, really right before, actually, I set up the last podcast, which was an episode focused on the White Sox, is right after that, I found out that they were actually moving me to cover the White Sox. So, funny coincidence there, or <laughs> I guess not so much of a coincidence because they're playing really well, which is why I wanted to talk about them and evidently why we're kind of beefing up our coverage team heading into the stretch run and then into the playoffs. So that's been a blast. It's been a whirlwind and also thrown off our schedule here. So thank you for being patient with me. And Honestly, the timing might be a blessing in disguise because it just so happens that because of all that, I ended up getting to talk to Candace about her feature on Vita Blue the same week as Major League Baseball on Wednesday is inducting their this year's Hall of Fame class. So... In talking to Candace, we touched on themes of who gets in as a Hall of Famer, the process for electing members, all of that. So the timing actually kind of works out well. But again, thank you for your patience. Candace's story on Vida is a part of a larger project that the Washington Post did. It's called The Nine, and it highlights the stories of nine black baseball players through that they picked out through the decades. And Candace and I will get more into that later on in the episode. 
but it's an incredible project. Definitely check it out. Really cool stuff. And I'm thrilled to have the chance to have Candace on to this podcast because she doesn't always write about baseball. And so this was a unique opportunity for me to get to talk to her on this platform because I just look up to her so much. Her and I met when I was covering the Thunder and she was still on the Wizards beat, which she did for years and is just so well. (laughs) She's so thorough, such a great writer, such a great reporter and someone who was really larger than life to me when I met her and she just made me feel so welcome covering basketball, you know, coming on to a pretty competitive beat in terms of the NBA beats. And she was just so wonderful. And I'm so lucky to have met her in that setting and then have the chance to talk to her here on this podcast as well. She is now in this really cool role for the Washington Post where she's focusing on kind of the intersection of race, gender, diversity issues in sports, and she just does such incredible work, and this is such a great position for her. I love reading her wizard stuff. I love reading her stuff now. Definitely read as much Candace Buckner as you possibly can. Your life will be better for it, I promise. So we'll get right into it and bring in Candace. Candace, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Um, I'm so thrilled to talk to you today because I loved the nine, the whole project that you guys did at the Washington Post and especially your story on Vita Blue. And I guess I just want to start there with how the idea for the project came up and how you all decided who to include, which players to include in that. Well, if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure I do remember correctly, our, um, one of our enterprise writers, Dave Shinen, who has uh, a background in baseball came up with the idea to, um, to profile or to to examine uh, African-Americans, the African-American experience in baseball uh, through nine players. And they were all different ages, starting with um, a player in his 90s, which, of course, would be Willie Mays. All living players, living players at the time. Um, 90s, someone who was in their 80s, someone who was in their 70s. 60s and so on, all the way down to a teenager. And um, I uh, I picked um, the player who was in his 70s because uh, Dave, Dave is very well uh, versed in baseball. And he kind of gave us like a, so maybe you want to talk to, you know, this player or that player. But I just thought by the blue um, story was just the most impressive of, uh, of all the players in the seventies. I I'm from the Midwest. I hadn't personally heard of him before. It was a little before my time, before I came uh, of age of, as a baseball fan, baseball fan in St. Louis. But I do remember in the eighties uh, there was, you know, this in 1980s, there was this, you know, um, drug scandal and so prevalent that the Pittsburgh 
Pyrus mascot got implicated as uh, as someone who was dealing or supplying, yeah, <laughs> supplying drugs to players. It was prevalent. It was out there. Um, but in in researching Vita Blue, and that's part of his story, researching Vita Blue, it was uh, you know I it came to realize that a lot of the players who were implicated, a lot of the players uh, were were players of color. Um, there were a few white players, uh, most notably like Yogi Berra's son, who was like a, you know, kind of like a rotation, like a backup catcher. <laughs> but that's that's like the most notable name. So uh, I was interested in telling his story and just finding out a little bit more about him and considering that even in the 60s, as a young black male, um, young black player, he went up against his owner for fair wage. That was another um, aspect that was just uh, very uh, interesting about his story. Just some things I didn't know about him. And, and when I got to like really dive into his story, I, I came with a, uh, came away with an appreciation. Well, and then you went out to suburban Oakland to meet with him, right? Yeah. What yeah. Was, yeah I, what was that like? I think that made the story. And when I first approached him, um, he had just gotten vaccinated, but he was really, you know, taking it easy and not, not trying to go and like live his best life just because he had the vaccination. So he was, he was, he was pretty weary about, you know, going out and, you know, he could get tickets to the giants and he could get tickets to the A's because he played for those teams anytime he wanted to, but did he really want to go out? And so, um, it actually took months. Um, he did. He has. Um, he has a girlfriend in Scottsdale, so he he would go to Scottsdale um, a little often because she was recovering from COVID and, and needed some needed some assistance. But uh, it did take some 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 you know some. Well, you know, I'm vaccinated too, Mister Blue. Would love to come just spend some time and do whatever you do. Um, I'll keep my distance. <laughs> I, <laughs> you will. Yeah, and I didn't say it like that in a in a sing-songy way, but you know, it was it was hoping to just convince them, you know, that I I wanted to see his life. And I just think uh as as a former beat reporter who is who was traveling a lot, um and I think any any reporter will say it to have access to somebody is very pivotal for our job. So this was the first time that I was able to travel story after he was like yeah you can come on out um come on out to concord california and you see a, a and he, he always played himself down like you'll see a, a day in my life it's nothing but whatever <laughs> um but yeah it's, it, it was very i thought it was crucial for me to get that he was good in interviews we talked on the phone a couple mm-hmm. times um but he was i would say anybody anybody will open up when you're you know sharing a meal with them or, or being on their home turf. And so I thought that was, I think that was the most crucial part of this, um, of the whole reporting, which is to be able to see him and, and sit down and, and talk face to face. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think you learned about him from that experience that you wouldn't have over, you know, zoom and phone calls and all of that? Yeah. I really started to understand once I was uh, kind of in his orbit very open, um, transparent. <laughs> There's a lot of things that, like, I don't know if I need to know that, but thanks for letting me know, <laughs> Mr. Blue. Very transparent, very, uh, very charming. But when it when it came to 
um, the drug thing, he, he had a very charming way of, um, of, of giving like a little stock answer, which I'm sure he has given for years Sure. and, and kind of just walking away from it, easing out of it, just very charming way. And, um, I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't pick up on that so much during our, com- during our phone conversation, but it, it is something that was, um, was embarrassing to him. Something that, um, and th- here's the other thing, just, just personally, I, I kind of feel, I feel for people in the public eye who may have made a mistake, mm-hmm. um, and for the rest of their lives, every time they get written about, or every time, um, they get, you know, like a, a big, their, their obituary will have like that line. And I don't think, you know, the mistake should be like the first line in someone's obituary uh, for their, for their life. Um, and by the blues case, uh, he doesn't mind talking about it when, when she like you press him, but it's not something that he's particularly proud of, but he's proud of how he has rehabbed his name and, and come back after, um, after the cocaine, um, you know, scandal. And he did have to spend uh, three months in a federal prison in Texas because of those charges. So this was, you know, really uh, a lifetime ago. And maybe it's just, it's, it's something that's not top of mind for him. But in this uh, series, when we want to describe and really examine the African-American experience in, in baseball, through the lens of living players, now one player, Mudcat Grant, um, he passed away during um, during this process that he was, pro- he was so profiled. Um, we really wanted to, you know, be, give the raw and the real. And in this case, um, his story was, was very important to, to describe how, um, African-American players were, you know, just not treated equitably, um, in this scandal. Well, what I love about the way that you set this story up is you draw out the description of him signing this two-sided photo and those two sides kind of become two different storylines, chapters in his career. So I want to start with the first side, um, which is where you say, you know, he's a young firecracker and taking on his white owner with this contract dispute what stood out the most to you about that chapter of his career and, and this story? Just how important he was to baseball. Again, I didn't know. Um, I was born in the eighties and when he, when he, um, when he really took the baseball world by storm, uh, I think he, I think he came into the league in the 69, but really took the league by storm in the seventies. So he was a bona fide celebrity, um, you know, stuff that he did, stuff that he didn't, he does not bring up everything about his past that I thought would be like, wow, this is crazy. I had no clue that he was in a black exploitation film with Jim Brown. Um, and he was so, he was so much the it guy of the, of, of the time that his name was on the movie poster, even though he had like a very <laughs> crappy role. They put his name on the movie posters, like Jim Brown with Vita Blue in whatever <laughs> crap title it was. But he was in a major motion film and in, in, in the 70s black exploitation movies were, were popular. Uh, he met the president. They, the A's did not win the World Series and the team was invited to the White House. No, 
um, President Richard Nixon invited the A's to the White House, particularly because he was a baseball fan, but he wanted to meet Vida Blue, a guy who was essentially, uh, it wasn't his rookie year because his rookie year started late in the, um, the 1970 season, but he's essentially in like his first year of uh, major league pitching. And he's just taken the sport by storm. He's on a cover of time um, on the cover cover of sports illustrated on the cover of sport. Um, I think he did some game shows um, back um, like during the off season, go down to LA and, and appear in like, I think it was a Mike Douglas game show, but it's like oh the God. guy was a celebrity. He was, <laughs> he was a freaking big deal in, in major league baseball. And he was just, you know, this left-handed pitcher who was lights out. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, that, that, that he had that, you know, that um, otherworldly season and then was perturbed about his money, tried to get his money and the contract negotiation, all that, all that off season, like really impacted him. And it not just impacted, impacted him the next season when the A's did win the world series, but for the rest of his year, his career, because he's really thinking of, of a very straightforward and, and somewhat naive perspective of you have all this money. I'm bringing you all this money. Another fact that I didn't put in here, um, like just when he pitched stadium sold out, mm-hmm just because he was on the mound and that's just not at the Oakland A's stadium. That was on the road. When people knew that he was pitching, they flooded the stadiums. So I'm generating you all this good press. I'm generating you all this money, but you don't want to share it. Very straightforward, very common sense, uh, common sense approach, but uh, naive when, when dealing with um, that particular owner and um, naive in the, in the, in the landscape of uh, a time when there was no such thing as like player empowerment. Right. Um, yeah. We, now. I feel like when we talk about contract disputes now, it's a high number versus a higher number. So I want to make clear here, you, you write in your story that his salary was so low that, you know, that breakout year that he qualified to live in publicly subsidized housing. So we're not talking about you know, right. haggling over massive contracts to slightly more massive contracts. Like this is a, a massive lifestyle question. Generational wealth and all that. And another point I put in there, Sandy Koufax and Don, Don Dreyer, six years earlier, six years earlier in the sixties did the same thing. They held out for more money. Um, and they got, uh, they got paid very well. And obviously Sandy Koufax, uh, best pitcher of his era. So six years later, um, Vita's essentially asking for, I forgot the number, but it was less than that. The market had gone up, um, obviously. Uh, the dollar is stronger, but six years later, he's asking for something that would be a little bit more uh, fair for his wage. And it's still, it's still less than what um, Cindy Koufax and Don Dreyer had asked Drysdale. Oh my gosh. I just, <laughs> just, I am revealing myself as quite the uh, baseball scholar, Don Drysdale. <laughs> so um, yeah, there, and still didn't get it. Still didn't get it. Yeah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Then, so we'll flip to the other side of the photo, right, where you're talking about he's older. Um, I'll just read this from your story. He's the guy who served three months in prison during a cocaine scandal, scandal, collateral damage of a sports drug war that, like the country's drug war, disproportionately disproportionately, we're, we're on a great roll here, you and I, um, affected Black and Latino men, which you, you mentioned earlier on, but you talk about his introduction into cocaine, and I feel like that kind of alludes to how prevalent it is, as you're talking about with the mascot. How, how is he looking at this now, knowing how you know, he kind of was a sort of scapegoat in all of this. Uh, yeah, you know, I think he is not, um, the thing about it, when when talking with Bida Blue, he, like, always took responsibility. Um, but also in the context of, uh, he was never trying to blame it on anybody else. He did have a a difficult childhood in that, you know, growing up poor, um, losing his father at a young age, and then having to make a decision to um, skip college, but you know, take your pro contract because you know you had to take care of your younger siblings and your mom. You you have to be the breadwinner. And I, I, we hear those stories a lot, but you know, just the the human toll that that takes on a on on a young person um, who's taking who are taking their first steps into adulthood. You know, I, I just think just because we hear that story a lot, it doesn't mean that it's not challenging and it's not, um, it doesn't, it, it, it hasn't, it, ha- it impacts you for the rest of your life, especially there were some, um, some things that early on that it, although his father was very loving, very caring, um, maybe introduced him to, um, um, to alcohol at a, at a young age that, that has played into his, his, his life that has played into his life for a, a very long time now. Mm-hmm. So um, I say all that to say he, he did have a challenging background and was probably ripe for um, trying to ease his troubles any way he knew how some of it came through substance abuse. However, he, he takes a lot of response. He takes the responsibility and he doesn't blame um, major league baseball Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people that I talked to that, that did say, you know what, we, we were the fall guys and, um, I could name names right now. Um, and <laughs> there, there's a code. I would say that there is a code with these baseball players because some of these people who are, uh, household names and are in the hall of fame have skated and gotten away because, um, they, they haven't been outed by, by the other guys, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me. I don't yeah. know if I have that sort of patience <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and grace. I'd be pointing fingers all over the place. Like, oh, okay, I'm going what to help that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw that with PEDs some too. Um, I think probably to less of a effect, but 
Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a baseball culture thing. Interesting. <laughs> to say the least. Well, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that you talked about a lot about was the Hall of Fame, as as you just mentioned, and how he still really wants to get in and seems like hasn't completely given up hope. What do you think? I mean, where's he standing right now on that? And what do you think the chances are? Yeah. So, um, he, um, he believes that with the, uh, it's not in front of me, but essentially it's the old timers panel. It's a, a panel right. made up of former players. That's how, that's his only chance of getting, cause he's off the ballot of the, of the professional baseball writers. Yeah, so era's committee, I believe. Th- there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he thinks that through his peers, they will see um, his impact. They can see, they, they will see his numbers. And some, I mean, there were some bad years thrown in there and he doesn't have like a certain amount of, like a threshold of wins. However, like his teammate, um, uh, they were starting um, starting pitchers together in the A's. He has Catfish Hunter. Catfish Hunter has, I believe, in the low twos. I, 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 for some reason, the number 209 is on my mind, so maybe that's Bida's number. But um, Catfish Hunter may have like 218 or something along those lines. And you would think that with those numbers, 200 wins, low 200s, ah, that's not Hall of Fame numbers. However, Catfish is in the Hall of Fame. We're like, oh, he has all these World Series. He 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 pitched in um, you know, he's pitching in the World Series, he has five rings, blah, blah, blah. He's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Well, Vida has three rings. Um, and Vida had Vida, Vida was just like um, you know, he was he was like an asteroid that hit Earth when he when he when he pitched that one season. And I don't think, I mean, I think I I personally think that what what he did that year was uh, worthy for consideration of more. Maybe not you can't say a Hall of Fame career out of one season. However, if you can look at his numbers and look at his strikeouts, he was a pretty good pitcher. I <laughs> <laughs> see. If I was in front of the Eras Committee, they would be like, "Get this lady out of here." You just can't say he's a yell. He's a pretty good pitcher, and make sure. But but. Those men who know the game, um, those men on the errors committee, I, sh- I should right. say, um, who know the game and and know what it was like to to, to hit against him, to play with him, um, he's hoping that they they do the right thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like every year we have another conversation about the character clause as you know as the writers generally are are voting in guys to the doesn't seem that that, do you think um now like if vita blue was entering the ballot now do you think the oh you know he did drugs do you think that would be such a big i would hope not now especially because it seems like we're coming down less hard on people who did peds which that's cheating and doing cocaine is not um I I mean it's a banned substance whatever but that's not performance enhancing um and I feel like 
as the the voters continue to as we move on to a new era of voters the because the character clause has is so inconsistent right it's all up to it's all up to whoever's voting and as you said we have plenty of people in the hall of fame who are you know might violate that character clause for one reason or another whether they're like absolutely known racists who have been very open about those opinions or whatever it may be uh and now that gambling is very much a part of the sports atmosphere right i just don't know how i'm glad that i have several more years until i'm a voter because I don't think we can treat the character clause the way that we have in the past because it's just not consistent. Right. And what do you want to police? What behavior do you want to police and say, no, no, that's bad. And what be, what behavior do you, you say, well, you know, that's okay. Right. Exactly. And at what point does it become just like, oh yeah, well, I liked that guy. (laughs) We definitely have, I mean, I'm not accusing any voters of specifically doing that, but we all have our own biases. For sure. For sure. You covered a guy and he was good to you. That might. Yamahimi should go to the hall of fame in that case. He was was such a good guy. I I come from a NBA background. um, So I covered basketball basically throughout the, I would say the, the, throughout the meat of my career, the good guy in the locker room, you know, you, you, yeah. you do because because you want to be treated like a human. You don't want to be treated like the enemy. You don't want to be treated like the quote media. And if someone actually talks to you like you're a human, like it's like, hey, I can I can talk to you back like you're a human, mm-hmm. and um, we can have a good working relationship. It's human nature. Yeah, yeah, and you then come. All of your writing comes from a more informed place about who this person is, as opposed to like what stock answers he's going to give you. Right. All right. Anything else that I should have asked you on this that we haven't <laughs> touched on? Uh, no, I need to figure out what the errors committee is meeting next because I'm not going to obviously try to show up, but I, I definitely <laughs> am curious to see if there's any new momentum um, with, you know, maybe listening or 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 or, um examining by the by the blue a little bit more so that's what i would be interested to know absolutely all right well thank you so much candace i really appreciate the time thanks for having me all right so good to see a white man's game (laughs) that was the one and only candace buckner i just feel so fortunate to have had her on, to have her take the time to really dive into a story that is so important and that she told so well. Obviously, check out that, read the whole thing. It's got so many layers and she's so good at drawing out details and scene setting. Just really wonderful read. If you haven't read it yet, Go check that out now. On the ERAs committees, I looked it up after Candace and I jumped off Zoom, and 
they meet every during the winter meetings, but it's a little complicated figuring, figuring out exactly when which committee is going to meet because there's a whole cycle of elections and the era that you played in determines the year that that specific committee will meet. So long story short, as far as I can tell, Vita Blue is considered to be in the modern baseball era, which they outline as 1970 to 1987, which means that the next schedule for that era should the induction or sorry, the um, election looks like it's scheduled for December of 2023 for the class of 24. So still a little ways off, but wanted to find the actual timing on that for all of you. Uh, like I said, check out Candace's story, check out everything that you can that she's written. Wonderful writer, wonderful person. So lucky to know her and also check out the other eight stories on the Washington Post in that project, the nine so there's a lot, they touch on a lot within that project and a lot of different themes. Highly recommend it. Time well spent. So as you guys all hop off of this podcast to go read that, I do want to thank you for tuning in to this episode. And again, thanks for your patience as our schedule's gotten shifted around here. Please spread the word about this to your friends, family, Pets, neighbors, of course, a huge thank you to Lawrence Holmes, our producer and the man who started this all, who started House of L and continues to churn out great stuff and bring in great people to do other other shows within the network. So shout out to Lawrence Holmes and we will see you all next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.